And if you have your Bibles, we read it just a moment ago, but if you will join me in Psalm 46 is our psalm this morning as we're walking through summer in the Psalms and excited to walk through this passage today. Uh, And our theme for this morning is the promise that changes everything. The promise that changes everything. Just about everybody I know, everybody I've ever met loves music. And just about everybody I know has a song that's like their favorite song. And there's all kinds of reasons. There's the, the, the melody, there's the tune, there's the lyric. Uh, for many people, it's a song that's associated with a very uh, big event in your life. And when you hear it, it just it connects with your heart. And, and I share that because it's good to remind ourselves as we read through the Psalms that these Psalms, many of them were written to be sung. Like Psalm 46, the one we're in today, it is a song that was to be sung by the family of faith. And so as we think about this, we think about music because it connects with our hearts. And as we think about the song... You can read through the Psalms and you're going to see every possible emotion and experience expressed through the Psalms. And as you see them and read them, you're going to read them alongside and in light of God's grace and His love and His providence and His care. And it's in here that as we see these Psalms, there is a great encouragement in the believer's life. And so as we look at Psalm 46, we are looking at one of the most powerful recorded songs ever. And just like every song that maybe you love or listen to, there is always or typically always a story behind the song. There's a story that gives that lyric or gives that theme. And so before we read ver- or excuse me, Psalm 46, I want us to read the story behind the psalm because it really does change the way we read Psalm 46. So hold your place in Psalm 46, and if you will go to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 18. I'll read a few verses there that's going to help us really see this psalm in the fullness that it was written. And as you're headed to 2 Kings chapter 18, just a reminder that what I'm reading is this season or period of life in what's called the divided kingdom. You have the kingdom of Israel to the north. You have the kingdom of Judah to the south. And at the time we're reading is somewhere around 701 BC in this divided kingdom era. And... Assyria is the militant power of the day. Like there is no rival that is stronger or more powerful, more mighty than the Assyrian army. And so as we are reading, the Assyrian army is sweeping through and they've actually already overtaken the kingdom of Israel to the north. They've overtaken the kingdom of Israel to the north. They've taken the inhabitants, the people of Israel, captivity, and they're making their way down to Egypt and they are looking to take over every place and every people that is in their way to Egypt. And so as they are making their way down, it's important to know that in the kingdom of Judah, there is a king that is ruling and his name is Hezekiah. 
Hezekiah was 25 years old when he took over the throne and led for 29 years. And he was a great king. He led the people of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, in uh, like a revival and renewal of their love for God. And it's also uh, helpful to, rem- to, to remember that as King Hezekiah is ruling in Judah, uh, this is also during the time of Micah, the prophet Micah, and the prophet Isaiah. And they were close associates with Hezekiah. So he would speak with them and talk with them. And, and as we look at this specific situation, I want to give a little context into King Hezekiah. So if you got your Bibles in 2 Kings 18, I want to begin in verse 3. The Bible says this, And he, speaking of Hezekiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. Down in verse 5 it says, He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord, He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses and the Lord was with him. Now, the Assyrian army, I mention them because they are on a rampage and they have now reached the region of Judah and they are now surrounding the walled city of Jerusalem. And Assyria has encamped around and they are seeking to bully They are seeking to threaten. They are seeking to intimidate all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem into giving over and giving in to the point where they are blaspheming God to the people. In 2 Kings 18 verse 28, the Bible says, Then Rabshakeh, which is a, a title for a military leader of the Assyrians, It says, then Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah because he wants them to understand what he's saying to them. Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. And this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me. So he's intimidating. He is bullying. He is uh, blaspheming. And there's this, this power, this militant power is surrounded. And they're looking to take over the people of Israel And now as we look at 2 Kings 19, a little bit more of the story behind the story. The prophet Isaiah speaks. And Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor, and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. And so the intimidation just kept ratcheting up. The bullying kept ratcheting up. The blaspheme of God began to ratchet up to the point where now King Hezekiah will receive a death notice, a letter. And Hezekiah gets this letter. And I mentioned he led the people of, of, of Judah in a renewal and revival. He reestablished the temple as the center of worship 
to the one true God. And, and here he is. He takes this letter, this death notice, and he lays it before the Lord. In 2 Kings 19, verse 14, the Bible says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God, truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations of their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but they were the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. Verse 19. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please. If you've ever been in a desperate place. Or you have exhausted every human resource that you possibly have. And you've done all that you know to do. Then you possibly have prayed a prayer like Hezekiah is praying right now. Listen to the desperation in this king's voice. So now, O oh Lord our God, save us, please. From his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are. O oh Lord, our God alone. This is his prayer. And now just the rest of the story before we get in Psalm 46, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 34, or verse 32. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not, I love this, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come after it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night, I want you to remember that, on that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people rose early, I want you to hold on to that. When the people rose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. And then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived in Nineveh. And the rest of the story is he was murdered by his own sons in his homeland. This is the story behind the story. Psalm 46, when we read it, it reads like a victory chant, because it is. It's a song of victory meant for the people of God to be sung. But all of us know if you get to the place of victory, that means you've probably gone through a really desperate hour in which victory had to come. The people had exhausted everything they knew to do. There was nothing more they can do. They were surrounded by the enemy. They were walled in. They were outnumbered. They were desperate. They had to have felt like hope was starting to slip through their fingertips. And there was nothing more they could do. God had to act. And maybe you've been there. Now this is really hard to do, but I want to try, I want to challenge us to try to put ourselves in the sandals of those in the walled city of Jerusalem. 
I want you to grab a hold of your sons and your daughters and your families. I want you to grab a hold thinking you have no idea what is about to happen. This could be the end. There is an army that has taken over everything in their path. And now you're next. And unless God pulls through, you have no chance. You have no hope. But God, in this psalm, is tucked away the promise that changes everything. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. That's the backstory, and this is the psalm that comes from it. God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge speaks of a shelter. It speaks of a safe place. You see the same words in verses 7 and 11 of this psalm where God is a fortress, a fortress, a refuge. It's the safe place. Since we've lived here almost three years now, there have been many times where those tornado sirens go off. And they always go off at night, it seems like, in the middle of the night. But they go off, and what do we do? We grab the, the, the kids, we grab the dog, and we go into the innermost closet of our house. Why? Because we're taking shelter. We're going to the safest place we can go, so that if and when something does happen or something does come, we are in the safe place of our home. This is the picture for the people of God. That God is their shelter. He is their safe place. For the believer, there is no safer place to be than in a relationship with Jesus. There's no safer place to be than in the will of God for your life. It's true. God is the shelter of the believer. And because of that, there is rest and peace that comes. And so when we've done all we can do, and you have that walled-in feeling, take a deep breath. Because as a believer, guess what? God is your stronghold. He's your shelter. He's your safe place. And you can rest in Him because God is our refuge. The Bible says that in light of this truth, He strengthens us. Now, physically, growing up, I, we, would, we would have storms come and go, and, and I never worried too much about that kind of thing. Uh, I especially didn't worry about it when my dad was in the room. <laughs> and I'm like, well, as long as, as, as he's here, I'm safe. And maybe you can relate to something like that. Maybe it's a big brother or a big sister or a, or a, a cousin or whatever if they as long as they're close like you're you're safe and that's the picture here is that because God is our refuge and our safe place he's our strength that strengthens us to know we're not alone we're in the safest place we could be which is in his grip in relationship with him as we love him love others live in his will safest place we could be and that strengthens us it encourages us it renews our faith it renews our spirit. It serves to silence fear and anxiety, which, by the way, can run like wild when you feel like you're in lack of shelter. And it silences the fear and the anxiety. 
And not only is he the safe place, and not only is he our strength, but he's our very present help in trouble. That word very present means very present. (laughs) It means easy to be found. It's been said that God is more present than trouble itself. That God is very present help in trouble. That word trouble uh, is an interesting word because it means uh, it means to be stuck in tight places, unable to get out, like a corner. Now, my, my youngest son is about to be two at the end of this month, which is blowing my mind. He is very mobile, very busy. Everywhere he goes, it's high knees. Everywhere he goes, like he, he's going everywhere. And he's, he's just gotten the age where he loves to play hide and go seek. And so we're in the house, and I'll be like, all right, buddy, go hide. And I, you know, count to 10, and he's high knee in it. And he goes to this place where he goes every single time we play hide and go seek. It was the same place. There's this place uh, by our table where there's like a cabinet, and there's about, about a hand's width between the cabinet and the wall. And every time I hear those high knees stomping and I hear him giggling and I hear him squeeze in between the cabinet and then you can almost hear him squeeze down to the floor and it's just a matter of moments before you hear cries (laughs) because he's stuck. He can't get out and he gets in there and he's just like all stuck in there and then then here comes dad and and I see him and he can't get out. He's stuck and he's crying and as soon as I put my arms on him to pull him up, he just starts laughing all over again and we go play hide and go seek again and he goes to the same place. (laughs) He gets stuck again and he loves it. But this is, to me, this is a picture that I have of that very present help in times where we are stuck and we can't get out by ourselves. Like God allows us at times to get in these places. And it's not always bad because it's in those trouble places that we get to this point of desperation and to the point we realize we can't fix it. We're not strong enough, wise enough, or powerful enough. We need God. And God is our very present help in our time of need. And so because He's our refuge, because He's our strength, and because He's our very present help in trouble, look at verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. All of you have probably seen mountains. Some of you have maybe hiked them, um, camped out in them, seen pictures of them. Mountains are strong. Mountains are immovable. I want us to get the picture. The psalm writer is saying, because God is our refuge... And because He's our strength and because He's our very present help in our trouble, even though you see mountains crumble and falling into the sea and the waves crashing over, you will have no fear. Because God is our refuge. Selah, it's almost like a, it's been said that it's a combination of hallelujah and amen. It's also a Hebrew word that means to intentionally stop and reflect on what you just read. Or in this case, for the people of God, what you just sung. This reminder that is with us 
that changes everything. God with us. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So just a heads up, the, the focus now is turning to the city of Jerusalem. The city of God. You'll hear in the psalm the words of hurt. Speaking of Jerusalem. Again verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Say la. There is a river. So in ancient times, biblical times, you would not find hardly any thriving city unless they were built near or on a water source. So whether it's a river or whether it's the, the ocean or whether it's the sea, this is where you're going to see the thriving cities. But where's Jerusalem? It's known as the mountain city. Like it's, in the, it's in the mountains. And so Hezekiah, in the wisdom of God, under his leadership, they actually built underground water tunnels from the spring of Gihon that flowed into the Pool of Siloam right outside the, the, the Temple Mount. And, and so with this, we don't even know if the Assyrians uh, even knew that those water, that water supply was there. But the picture is there is an endless water supply for the people of God in that walled in place. Water is essential for life. I read uh, over this week that few people can go more than three days without water. No one can make it five or six days without water. The Assyrians had to be confident as they've encamped and surrounded with no visible water source that surely the people of God will just continue to be weakened and drained out. But what the psalm writer is not encouraging us to think about how amazing Hezekiah's water tunnels are. But what he's doing is he's pointing us and redirecting us to God as the source of life. Water is the life source. God is our life source. Listen to what Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Just a little ways down the earthly ministry of Jesus in John 7, verse 37. The Bible says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. Jesus is crying out for anyone who will listen. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He goes on to say Jesus is speaking of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. His presence living inside of his people. And just like there was this indwelling, never-ending water source in the walled city of Jerusalem. For the believer who has repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus alone. That there is this, in, this, this unending, always present 
presence of God through the Holy Spirit to give us an endless amount of grace and strength and peace and whatever it is we may walk through. In verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. The Lord of hosts speaks of the armies, the angel armies. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. That, that whole God with us, I believe, is this life-changing truth for the believer. I think it's the truth that got Joseph in the Old Testament, Genesis 39. You remember the story with Joseph? He was thrown into prison. He did nothing wrong, by the way. Thrown into prison. And every day, in his season in the prison, he woke up every day living life in that prison. What changed everything? It was that God was with him. That's how a prison can turn into a palace. The Bible says in Genesis 39 verse 20, Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. This changed everything because God was with him. How could Joseph wake up every day with any source of encouragement and direction and what a place he had to feel like he was stuck. It was the fact that God was with him. And believer, God is with you. God is with us every single day. A very present help in trouble. Martin Luther was a, the great reformer. One of the great reformers. And not only did God use him in mighty ways in that time, to lead about gospel truth and understanding of God's salvation. But not only that, but he was a hymn writer. Like he wrote hymns. Somebody in this room, your favorite hymn might be A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He wrote that. And he wrote that because of Psalm 46. And there's all kinds of writings and, and about his time, but he had a fellow uh, co-reformer, Philip Melanchthon, that he... Uh, that he served with and lived life alongside. And quote, he says this to Philip Melanchthon in one of their darkest hours. He says, come Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm to renew our faith and refresh our spirit. So God is our refuge. He is with us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And now the hymn writer, the psalm writer, invites the people of God to step outside the city walls and to look at the works of God and the power of God. If you remember back in verse 5 of this psalm, it says this, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. I want you to hold on to that. Hold on to that and think back to the story behind the story. 2 Kings 18, 19. If you recall back in chapter 19, verse 25, when 
Hezekiah lays out this death notice. He just pleads in complete dependence upon God to act and move. In verse 25 of 2 Kings 19, the Bible says, At that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. The Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and he went home. The Almighty God is inviting His people to step out of the walled city and behold His hand and His power at work on their behalf. When they could do nothing, God did the work. This is why in verse 8 the Bible says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. This is that picture of saying, Hey, they're telling us to come outside. They're telling us to come outside. And so the the family you are clinging so tightly to, in faith you're starting to step outside and go outside those walls. And you're seeing this Assyrian army that you you were expected that you were going to absolutely be pummeled and ravaged. You walk out. And the Bible says again, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And it's in this sobering and what feels like it could have been a silent moment observing the work and the power and glory of God. We read the verse that maybe you have on your wall or on a coffee mug or on a keychain. And that is this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This powerful song. This powerful reminder. The people didn't have to do anything. God delivered them in His name's sake. And this psalm invites anxious hearts. And He invites those who have feelings and thoughts of being walled in on every side. And invites them to remember that He is God. No safer place to be than in the palms of His hand. I am absolutely convinced that if anything gets to me, it has first gone through the love and grace and care of God. Because we as believers are His and He is ours. There's no safer place to be than in His grip. And this brings great rest to which the psalm writer writes for the third time. Stop. Reflect. Remember. Say la. Maybe you're there. You feel that way. You've done all you can do. Hope feels like it's kind of slipping through. Be encouraged. God is our refuge, our strength, our very present help in trouble. So we got in Thursday night uh, from our time away as a family. Got back Thursday night and... Friday was a, for Amber and Ella J at least, uh, all right, wash clothes, pack clothes, turn around and leave for Honduras uh, yesterday morning. And which, Lord, we pray they are on the plane and headed to Honduras right now. Um, and we prayed over them. We commissioned them out as a family. 
And we prayed over them. And once we said amen and we were wrapped up, I could notice that there was kind of an anxiety that was swirling amongst some of our kids. And, and even some fears. It was said, what if something happens to mommy? What if something happens to Ella J? And these fears and anxiety began to creep in. And, and even among at least one of our kiddos, there were tears that were beginning to be shed. And just kind of like, a, honestly, a, a, an anxiety. And I pulled them in close. And I went to Psalm 46 verse 1. And I read Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. If we believe that, then there's no safer place that mommy and Ella J could be than right in the will and the care of God, their Heavenly Father. And with that reminder... The anxiety ceases and the tears dry up. And there's this understanding that God is God. And God is faithful. And He is in control. And He is our shelter. And He is our strength. And He is our very present help in trouble. That He is the Lord of the angel armies. And that He is our fortress. So my encouragement is if you're in the walled-in city this morning and you feel the intimidation of outside enemy forces, be encouraged. God is your refuge. No safer place to be than in His grip through relationship with Him. And may I encourage you, this truth is true for all believers, but it's not true for all people. Only for those who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There is no peace apart from a relationship with God. There is no safety apart from a relationship with God. There's no eternal security apart of a relationship with God through Jesus. So my encouragement in the invitation of God always is, if you're thirsty... Come to me. I will give you the water that wells up into everlasting life. And so I encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that today is the day where you acknowledge your sin, repent of your sin, turn to Jesus and His perfect life, death, burial, resurrection, and surrender, yield your heart to the Lord of hosts. We're going to pray, and as we do, I want to encourage you in this song we're going to sing. Uh, this, this psalm is, is powerful. And I encourage you. You want to sing, sing. I'm not saying don't sing. But I'm also encouraging that sometimes it's good to be still. And know that He's God. We are so busy. And doing so many things. That we can race past the fact that God is God and He's in control and He's trustworthy and He's faithful. We'll have pastors here. We can pray for you. We would love to pray over you. The altar is always open. But may we give our hearts and yield them to the Lord in this time. Let's pray. Father, we love you. and Thank you so much for Psalm 46. God, I thank you that in our desperate hour, 
we can be renewed and stirred up and encouraged in our hearts by the promise that changes everything. The Lord of hosts is with us. That God, you are our shelter. You are our safe place. There's no safer place to be. You are our shelter in that we find strength, God, your strength. We were reminded that apart from you, we can do nothing, but through you, we can do all things. And God, that we would be encouraged that you are very present in the times where we are stuck and we can't do anything to help ourselves. You are trustworthy. You are faithful and you will always work in a way that brings about your will and your purposes and your glory. Thank you for that. And we pray, God, for anyone who is trying to find peace and life in dead-end roads, knowing that you are the only source of lasting life and peace. So I pray, God, that you would stir their hearts, that today would be the day, God, where they would surrender their hearts to yours as Lord and Savior, enjoying the promise and the rest that you are our peace, our refuge. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and uh, worship the Lord.